Welcome to the number one MSU basketball podcast in America. The Final Four is not on the schedule. Join Rod and me, Eric, as we dive deep into the Spartans to get you prepared for every game. Subscribe today for in-depth recruiting updates and fantastic interviews with today's important college basketball personalities like Robbie Hummel. Thank you for having me. I uh, I have listened to your guys' podcast numerous times on drives throughout any Midwestern Big Ten city, so I, I am big fans of your guys' work. Jay Billis. And next time, hey, if anybody in Michigan wants a December tea time, call me. You wimps won't show up, but I'll I'll be there. I'll be there and play in the cold, and Izzo will be in front of the fire with hot chocolate. Coaches Thomas Kelly. Oh, no problem. Glad to be back, man. Glad to be back. Mike Garland. You just can't sit there and trade twos for threes. You can't do it. You're going to lose. Coming down the stretch, you're going to lose. And more. You won't find better coverage of Spartan Hoops than you will get here. For both the casual and hardcore fan, come along as we take you for a green and white ride. Hey everybody, it's Eric alongside Rod here to talk about Michigan State's 85-43 victory in an exhibition game against the Hillsdale Chargers. Uh, before we begin, I just want to remind you that if you have interest in helping support the show, there are many ways you can do that. You can buy our merchandise, you can buy our logo hoodies or t-shirts at thefinalforestontheschedule.com slash merchandise, or you can support the show through one-time gifts via PayPal or Venmo, or at a recurring method through Patreon or Substack, you can do that at thefinalforestontheschedule.com slash support. Uh, there you can provide that support, which we greatly appreciate. Helps keep the show going. And uh, let's get into things here. Uh, Michigan State hosting the first exhibition game. We First opportunity to see the players outside of that scrimmage last Saturday before the Michigan game. And I think we weren't disappointed. Uh, we had hoped to see a team that came out focused, and they certainly look like that. Uh, you know, I, I guess we'll get into the game a little bit, but it definitely, and I sent a message to you early on, it definitely looked different, right? This team does not look like last year's team. I mean, yeah. the players are very similar, but it is a very different way they're playing. And I felt like the one difference is you definitely saw a change in the second half, at least I don't recall, them playing that full court sort of press, uh, you know, press coverage for over most of the court. I don't think they did in the second half. They seemed to just sort of back off that. Yeah, sort of like they, they did. Worked on in the first half and they're like, okay. We'll just, we'll just be okay with what we did. But at least in person, it certainly felt like Hillsdale after about 10, 12 minutes. And again, I think this is a, probably a pretty good team. We haven't, as you mentioned, we mentioned the pregame, mostly new players. So we don't really have a good feel for where they're going to end up. Um, but they're generally pretty good. And they looked really, I mean, they were frazzled. <laughs> by, the, by the last six, seven minutes of the half, they were just putting up anything they could. <laughs> Anytime they had like a window, it kind of reminded me of the Syracuse game for Michigan State. That terrible game in the NCAA tournament a number of years ago, where Michigan State at some point just like whatever, if any we've got a crack, we're just putting it up whether it's a good shot or not. Yeah, I think that the the big change and, and other changes flow from it is the way they're defending, and so there's there's a yeah. couple things going on, maybe three things. One is full court man pressure. I think you're right. I think they backed off it in the second half. Uh, to some extent, I, I don't think that's going to be the case when the games really count, though. It'll be very interesting to see what we see on Sunday against Tennessee, because mm -hmm. um, that's a legitimate opponent that you would think if the plan is, hey, this is this is what we're going to do with everybody, um, you know, and it's going to be a regular function of what Michigan State does possession to possession and not just something they throw in as a as a, an occasional curveball. 
um, I think you'll see it against Tennessee. And I actually do expect to see it. I think, I think it, it showed, we saw enough of it to see that this, a team with their kind of depth in a general sense. And then this particular team with its particular players, particularly Tyson Walker and Jade Nakins and Jeremy Fears. Those three guys really stood out for me today defensively. It's really well suited to them. Okay. So that's the first thing. All right. The the second thing um, that was interesting was the fact that you saw Michigan State playing what I would call a much higher line defensively in the half court, particularly in the first half. Again, in the second half, I think they backed off it a little bit. But in the first half, they were really up in ball handlers. And it took its toll. I mean, that was not the way Michigan State has played in recent years. And, And once again, I go back to the fact, and we have talked about this already, on the podcast that if they were to choose to play more aggressively, this is a team that would seem to be built to do it because they've got guards who can play that way. Uh, That was my feeling going in and what we saw tonight just verifies it. Um, Mm -hmm. They got a lot of guys. They got five guys, true guards, all of whom can play that way. They're all athletic enough. They're all strong enough. And I think they're all savvy enough to be able to do it without that leading to foul trouble, which is one of the things you worry about. The third thing that's worth noting, and this was a surprise to me, is how aggressive Michigan State was in the passing lanes. Yes. They are, so off-ball defense is more aggressive. Now, I didn't feel it was straight-up gambling, which would be shocking, but they are just much more aggressive off the ball in terms of trying to shoot into passing lanes to be disruptive, to force turnovers, et cetera. And it worked. It worked extremely well. Uh, That's something you have to be careful with because when you face savvier teams with better guard play, and I would say that will start, well, they'll see that on Sunday, but in the real games, that'll start as early as the third game for sure against Duke. Right. you know, you make yourself vulnerable to getting backdoored. You know, there's there's ways in which that can that can be used against you. And that's not that's very much not a a, a fit with Tom Izzo's basketball philosophy. Um, but that said, I think what he's doing is he's giving experienced guys a little bit more freedom. Um, and I just thought, look, they had 11 steals tonight. And that's a game where they're playing everybody. So Tyson <laughs> yeah. Walker and Jaden Akins were the top two steals guys. They had um, Jaden had was credited with three. I'm sorry. Somehow they only credited Tyson with one steal. It seemed like he had more than that. But let's say the starting backcourt, those three guys had six steals combined, right? Right. Um, the most that any of them played was Tyson at 22 minutes. Those three guys are going to play. AJ only played 18. Those three guys are going to play more minutes than that. So I I think it's something that, um, again, I I don't expect Michigan state to be a heavy turnover generating defense. That's not a philosophical fit for what Tom Izzo wants to do. Um, But 
I think this team is probably set to do more of that than we typically see from a Michigan State defense. And I think tonight we got a glimpse of what that might look like. But I was very impressed. I, I just thought the defense as a whole, that's one part of it, the ball pressure and and also you know playing passing lanes. That was there. But just in general, the defense was at, I thought, an incredibly high level. I mean, for this yeah. time of year, I mean, the fluidity of switching, the way guys were denying dribble penetration. Yeah, it's a D2 opponent. They lost five of their top six scores from last year. I get all of that. But that's a well-coached program. It's a program that's established very much a winning tradition. I would expect they're going to be pretty good at their level, you know, when all I is said so. and done. So yeah. to see Michigan State defend in that way, was really impressive. The other thing that goes along with all of this. So if you're being a little bit more aggressive in terms of ball pressure, what you worry about is, well, what do you do when you get beat? What's behind you? 10 blocks tonight as a team, <laughs> um, a combined, let me see a combined seven from the reserves, Carson Cooper, Xavier Booker, Cohen Carr. And we talked about this in the preseason. We said, you know, one of the ways that that these young guys were mostly, I was mostly talking about Booker and Carr, can, can elevate this team from where they were last year is they have the potential to give them a rim protection element that last year's team simply did not have. Last year's team, really for the first time in a long time, did not really have much of a rim protection element defensively. They just didn't have many shot blockers. Um, you know, Madi can do a little bit of that, but that's that was really about it. Right. Um, mm -hmm. That is no longer the case because you've got two freshmen who very much can do that, and you have Carson Cooper, who we'll, I assume we'll talk about a lot more, um, has elevated his play, and now you're seeing what he can be defensively with his athleticism, his wingspan and footwork and understanding. And, and boy, you got, and you still have Madi in there too. I just, I, I think, I think this could end up being a much better team in that area of the game than we saw last season. And that'll add another element to the defense. But I was just, I was extremely impressed with the defense. It was by far the thing that impressed me the most about what Michigan state did tonight. Yeah, I agree. I think so. And and I don't know how much you could see on TV, but, you know, just watching Hillsdale and their on offense, that was a team that was not stagnant. I mean, they were, they were, no, setting, they moved. They'd yeah, set they like 20 stuff. picks a, a, yep. in a possession. It was crazy. Yeah. All the plenty about plenty of, of um, attempts at back doors. I mean, they're always trying to do it. And, you, and to your point, you know, when you're guarding that far out, denying passes and denying the ball, which we see other teams come in and do to Michigan State all the time. And it sometimes gives you fits if you don't have, you know, when you're trying to get into your offense. I mean, they, it was relentless. And, and the, um, the one thing I would notice, and, I, you know, I don't know if, what it really means, but it certainly seemed like when the reserves came in, so the big, you know, the line change of the freshmen coming in after like the 16, yeah. 15 mark, there was a, it was almost more frenetic when those freshmen came in. Uh, and I, they, they would expend, it looked like they were just moving faster or expending more energy. I don't know that they were any more effective, but it definitely, maybe just, maybe that's just partly just because they were just so amped up to be on the court. I think maybe some of that and also that, you know, 
when you don't have as as advanced an understanding exactly you might yeah. have to expend a little more effort to get the same result yeah no right? i think so too for sure yeah. and and the other thing that really impressed me too is there wasn't there wasn't uh oftentimes just not that you're you say it often hides players but sometimes you know like a nick ward or someone like that but sure there wasn't there wasn't like a minus defender out there like that i could recall uh, you know, maybe Booker got lost a couple times, but for the most part, not everybody as was switching much as on everyone. I've been expecting, yeah, they were switching on everybody, and everybody yep. could pretty much it. It was, I could see that there was it. I, maybe it just confused Hillsdale or was surprising because you couldn't, they couldn't even get advantages. Even when Walker gets switched on someone shorter, the the help would come from even a freshman or yep. something. It, I, I was just very impressed. To your point, I think the defense was the most impressive part. Uh, that that was noticeable. And I had expected more of a change with the full press, but I was more impressed with the half court defense and just how really it was even, it was, it was vicious. Well, that's what I, that's what I meant really is how connected they looked. Yeah. Switching was really well executed. I mean, I remember there was, there was one play where Malik and Madi both went with a roll guy and, um, and left left a, a shooter who happened to miss, and then they immediately talked about it. Other than that, I really don't recall. No, nothing immediately comes to mind, at least uh, in terms of blown assignments. Considering where we are in the on the calendar, that's that's a that's a statement, you know. Um, and I agree with you. I think Hillsdale was trying to run good offense. Um, and Michigan State was up to the task. Now, you know, starting on Sunday, you're going to start seeing some opponents who have the ability to make plays against you even when they might not be running the crispest offense or you might have actually handled a switch properly. They can still hurt you. Um, they're going to see some of that. But I think in terms of the things that Michigan State can be expected to control, it was really, really impressive. And I also agree with what you're saying about those top 10 guys. So right now it would appear Garrick Norman is the 11th guy. Um, yeah, probably not going to be, you know, for example, in the Duke game, I wouldn't necessarily expect him to see any minutes. Um, we'll see. But if you take him out of the mix, and of course they don't have Jackson Kohler right now, that's a pretty good 10-man group defensively and you can talk about the freshman i mean fierce is in another class altogether but i thought cohen carr looked pretty together and i gotta say i'm not saying xavier booker is is ready to go be picked first in the draft or <laughs> or anything like that but i i've said this before uh, if not here definitely on the spartan mag board but i think here as well I think there's been a tendency in some quarters to swing the pendulum so far to the side of, well, he's got a long way to go. It's going to be a process, blah, 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 that there's been an, what I would term an overcorrection. And I think mm -hmm. you saw some of the reasons why I'm saying that tonight. Look, was he playing an overmatched team physically? Yes. But the fact is he hit two threes that looked very smooth. And we know he's got the ability to shoot threes. That's not a mystery to anybody. And defensively, he had three block shots and I think handled his assignments reasonably well. 
Yeah. Part, part of the problem is that I think, and this is just a personal opinion, is that Xavier Booker is such a smooth athlete that sometimes, and I'm not saying he doesn't have an issue to correct in terms of his motor. I think he does need to learn how to play harder, consistently, and tougher than he has to this point. I agree with that. But I also think that sometimes because he's so smooth in the way he moves, that he fools people into thinking he's not working hard. The, right. the bottom line is, did he have blown assignments today? I didn't see a lot of them. He looked pretty together to me. Now, there are going to be stiffer tests than this. I get it. But for a first game, if he's the worst defender among your top 10 guys, which I think <laughs> is what a lot of people would say, it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, no, I without a doubt. And and this the surprising thing to me is usually you could there's a fairly significant drop off to freshmen. I think you know last year uh Trey Holloman was really solid and which was kind of surprising and you know the year before that Max Christie, but generally there's a the freshmen look like they struggle especially early in the season. And and these guys did not really look like they were struggling much. And so that's wow. you know and, and you know again it's easy to get hyped up. It's Hillsdale. It's a D2 school. So maybe you're a little bit quicker and you can recover a little bit faster. And you can't get exploited as much. But they sure seem like they didn't like they knew where they were supposed to be, that they didn't get lost. Yeah. But the thing the thing is, and I hear all of that, but the thing is, Jeremy Fears is not going to be rattled by anybody he's playing against. OK, he's going to run together offense. No, and he's going to get into people and guard them, whether it's a, a Hillsdale he's playing or it's Duke. That's that's what's going to happen. Cohen Carr is going to be that athletic against every team he plays. Right. Okay. So that's going to allow him to make plays. Period. Doesn't matter who the opponent is. Xavier Booker is six eleven with that kind of fluidity as an athlete and that kind of shooting potential. No matter who he's playing against. So. All of those things will be will show up no matter who they're playing. Now, are there going to be weaknesses that get shown in ways they didn't tonight against better opponents? Sure, absolutely. And they're going to have bouts of inconsistency like every freshman does. But I think the reason primarily that they look better than a lot of what you typically expect from MSU freshmen is because these guys are really, really good. <laughs> and sometimes it's that simple. Yeah. They might have been a pretty good recruiting class, huh? I mean, that might... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It looks that way. Yeah. Uh, so when we had highlighted before the game uh, for the brothers at Just Do Gutters, uh, if you need your gutter work done and it is fall, it is leaf season, uh, they're still falling, and you want to make sure your le your gutters stay clear. Maybe they're leaky. Maybe you've got leaves piling up. Maybe you've got some damaged gutters. If you need someone to take care of that, the best people to call are the brothers at Just Do Gutters. They took care of mine. They took care of my wife's office, and they did a great job there. Uh, I've got leaf guards in now, so I don't have to deal with those. I don't have to get on a ladder. It's fantastic. I should have done this about 10 years ago. Uh, but you want people who care about gutters, and they just focus on it. And I know it's kind of boring to talk about gutters, but uh, you can't go wrong. Brothersgutters.com. You can find contact information in the podcast uh, description below. And you get 10% off if you mention Final Four uh, when you contact either on the west side of the state with uh, Kurt or the east side of the state with Greg. You won't go wrong. And then our 
focus player to keep in the gutter was the only one we could come up with was the only returning starter from the team. Drew Reuter, who averaged 12.5 points a game, and he's held to 3 for 13. He had 8 rebounds. He shot 23% from the floor, 17% from 3, and last season he shot uh, 36%, So, and he only had finished with 7 points and had a turnover. He really struggled. He just kind of scored very late, but he was really neutralized. So they kept him in the gutter. They did a good job, and that was a sort of reflection on the, the rest of the roster for the, the team. Uh, Malik Hall guarded him a lot, yeah. and uh, I thought did a really good job. Yeah, just kind of containing him. Yeah, they uh, they did a great job, and that was about the the whole uh, the whole team pretty much. And so, um, I guess you know we'll, we'll just go talk about the keys of the game, I suppose. And why don't we do that? And we'll start. The first one is health. There were no injuries. Jackson Kohler walking around in his boot, but other than that, the team seemed to be okay. The only near injury was Davis Smith, who took a huge fall at the very end of the first half. And that was <laughs> when you hear it from way up where we're sitting. And it looked like it looked painful, but he just kind of he looked okay. But other than that, everyone seemed to come out come through the game okay. Yeah, yep. Not not much more to say except that's what you want to see. Exactly. Uh, the number two key to the game was pace, and we had expected a lot more. Um, I guess uh, a fast break and transitions, and I don't know that we have those stats because. I yeah twenty. It was again. These are dubious numbers. You have to keep them in in mind but fast break points were 24 to 6 in michigan state's favor so 24 is a reasonably good number but i just thought in general michigan state did what they want to do they were in transition a lot and even when they weren't they were getting the ball into the into the forecourt uh fast and getting into offense fast Yep. And that's what you want. It's not just about, and you know, and again, it's not even just about the point production there. It's about the pressure that you put on an opponent. You mentioned that last six to seven minutes of the first half, it looked like Hillsdale's heads were swimming collectively. <laughs> yeah. And they were. And I think a lot of it was that Michigan State was putting them under relentless pressure in every conceivable way. They were guarding them full court. They were getting into passing lanes. They were getting into them in the half court. And then they were pushing the ball consistently on offense, off makes and misses. And so that was really, really good to see. Again, we're going to get a much better, we're going to get a much better test of that come Sunday because Tennessee is not only a high major and not only a good high major, but they're also a program that really has made its reputation under Rick Barnes on the defensive end, first and foremost. So that will be a test, but I saw exactly what I wanted to see. Yeah. And, I, and the only, the other thing to add to that too, is I can only recall maybe, maybe three possessions where Michigan state was under 10 before they'd put a shot up. I mean, so they were right. And they were generally speaking, very good shots. And so if they were that part of the pace, Looks faster. I mean, again, it's Hillsdale, so we don't want to get ahead of ourselves too much, but we'll know more, like you said, the next game. Assist rate was also very good, 82% of assist on the field goal <laughs> Yeah, sets. you're not. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Um, that, no, that's all That's all part of it. You know, and again, it's if you're if you're pushing the ball and the, and the defense gets back, okay, at a minimum, what you've done is you've gotten yourself into your half-court offense quicker which leaves you with more time to get a quality shot and means that at least in theory, you should be in those under 10 second scenarios less often. Right. You know, yeah, I don't. And I think there was a comment by Izzo before the season, how many 
field goal attempts he wanted per game. I mean, they ended up with 60, which is not a ton, I think, but I think that's, but it seems, I can't remember what they were getting last year. Um, but, but some of that, some of that is also, I mean, for making them I all, mean, that's, a, that's a fine number, but it to, to, you know, target, but some of that is going to be dictated by the way you defend. And, and, you know, conversely to what we were just saying, I think Hillsdale was very often when they weren't turning the ball over, they had 17 turnovers in the game and 11 of them were steals. So 11 of them were forced, but when they weren't turning the ball over, they were just having a very difficult time getting a good shot, which means they were having to run a lot of shot clock, run a lot of clock to get. So that's going to hold your possessions down sure, to some extent. Exactly. And I guess the other thing that's interesting about that pace, despite playing what we both agree was pretty fast, only 11 turnovers for Michigan state now, which is, yep. you know, I always feel like early in the season, that's always a big bugaboo. They're, you know, averaging 17 to 20 turnovers a game, it seems like. Uh, now, again, the game, you know, the opponent who it is, but even against Grand Valley last year, I think they were, well, Grand Valley last, yeah. last year, they had, they were really good with turnovers in general. But in general, Michigan State teams have struggled, especially early in the season. And that does not seem yep. to be the case, which we would hope <laughs> be the case with the veteran right. starters you have. Right. Um, we'll go to the third key of the game. Just a moment, just to remind you that these keys of the game are brought to you by nudge printing. Nudge printing is your go-to place for Spartan apparel. Uh, you, they, you can find them at nudgeprinting.com. Uh, fantastic stuff. Uh, I have a bunch of shirts and my family actually just asked me tonight. They want a bunch more hoodies and stuff. So we're going to get some more super wearable, very comfortable, uh, very breathable. Uh, you know, I shot my free throws last season. That one, you know, sent me to the final four. So, I mean, you know, I don't know how lucky they'll be for you, but uh, high quality screen printing. You can't go wrong with nudge printing, great prices, free shipping. Uh, just head on over to nudgeprinting.com. That's where you get all our stuff. And that's where all our prizes come from at nudgeprinting.com. 20% off if you type in final four into the coupon code at checkout. So the third one is the freshman. And so the question was, how are they going to look? Well, <laughs> I'd say pretty good. Yeah, so we'll start with we'll start with um, Garrett Norman uh, since he played the least of the group mm -hmm. and and frankly the least is expected. I mean, he only played seven minutes, um, didn't do a lot. He missed his his lone three point attempt. He did score a basket um, off a really nice kind of uh, transition uh, pump fake and then finish at the rim. Yep. I thought it was, it showed, it showed good decision-making showed off his smarts as a player because he could have easily just taken the three. Um, so good for him. He also had a steal. Uh, didn't do a lot other than, other than those moments, but um, a nice beginning for him, get his feet wet, have some positivity. Uh, Jeremy fears 19 minutes. He was only one for three from the floor and, and only finished with two points. The one he hit, I thought it was a really nice play because he was kind of it's in the middle of shot. the lane. Yeah, but what made it nice is, and I think is really bodes well for him, is the body control that he exhibited because he was at kind of a weird angle and he still managed to get his body turned to be facing the basket enough to make it a makeable shot. That yeah. is that, that might not have looked like a, a difficult play. It was. And the fact that he finished it, I thought was really good. Um, eight assists in 19 minutes, pretty good stuff. He did have four turnovers. I think that's a little unfair 
Um, I'll give you an example. One of them for sure that he got uh, dinged with was a transition play in the first half where he was trying to go up the floor to Cohen Carr and Cohen fell. Yeah. So the turnover gets charged to Jeremy. It really wasn't his fault. But um, they only credited him for one steal, but he had another play where he forced the Hillsdale uh, ball handler into a five-second count, mm-hmm. um, which got some enthusiastic response from Bizzo. Um, I just thought both ends of the floor, I thought he looked exactly the way I expected him to look. He was a menace defensively, and he was really poised running the offense. Didn't rush anything, didn't force anything, um, made other people better. Eight assists is eight assists. So pretty good there. Um, we talked a, we talked a little bit about the other two guys, but just to put a cap on it. Xavier Booker, 16 minutes. He was two for three on threes. He he also missed uh, maybe a 10-foot baseline jumper. It was a pretty good shot, just didn't go. He had three rebounds, but three blocks, um, so six points total. Uh, and as we talked about, I think actually looked better overall defensively than – I had anticipated. So good things there. And Cohen Carr, I mean, 15 minutes, the guy scores 12 points, uh, six <laughs> of eight from the floor. And he really should have been seven of eight because he blew a dunk in the second half. But, uh, you know, that that gets it pales by comparison to what he had, four or five dunks. Um, he must have had five. And But I'll, I'll say this, all the dunks were great. And especially, I thought, Later in the game, he had a couple where he was just kind of around the rim. Yeah. And there are plays that most guys, even some good athletes, are going to end up shooting. They're going to be layup attempts because they're coming off two feet. They're coming off being flat. They don't have a running start. Cohen Carr just explodes. I mean, he explodes in a way that very, very few guys you see do. And that is going to be a big advantage for Michigan State believe it that they have a guy like that who can make those kind of plays in traffic around the rim the most impressive moment i thought he had offensively was his first basket he had a moment in the first half where he got the ball sort of near the baseline and went off the dribble spin move and hit a bank shot yeah it was a very very nice individual offensive play and it shows you that he does have more than just dunks in his in his bag you know and i think you're gonna see that um, i also like that transition and one that he had for a layup uh that was impressive in fact he was able to finish that play Just, uh, and then as we talked about he also had uh what do you have two blocks yeah two block shots yeah um both of which were plays lesser athletes don't make they yep. were not plays that were just kind of easy blocks, let's put it that way. So overall, he was exactly as advertised. I mean, the he is he is a potential difference maker. There's no two ways about it. That there are not uh, teams in the Big Ten do not have Cohen Carr of <laughs> no. equivalents on their roster. You know, there isn't anybody like him in the Big Ten. I don't know. If there are many guys in the country. Well, that are like so. Cohen Carr. I don't think so. so. Especially coming off the very, bench. <laughs> yeah. Very, very impressive for all the freshmen tonight. 
So now we'll come to the one that I think was uh, one of the keys to the game, which I think was a little disappointing, and that was offensive rebounding. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Part of it, I mean, I would, I'm not going to put, all, I don't think you put a blame on anyone in particular because I don't think anyone really did a great job rebounding except Carson Cooper, who, um, you know, not a yeah. freshman, but I think, I, well, we just talked about him before we go. He's not a freshman, but let's talk about him and Trey Holloman, sophomores, but I think looked significantly different than they did last year. I mean, I thought, you know, the we knock sure on Trey, did. people are talking, well, Trey Holloman will never see the floor. He's going to barely play. <laughs> and I mean, the kid plays 19 minutes, same as Jeremy Fears. And he played off ball almost the whole time, but he was comfortable when he had the ball, obviously. Uh, defensively, fantastic. And I would say he was, you know, just as good as Fears and the other guys. Uh, he had a um, couple steals and four assists, one turnover, and, you know, four or five from the from the field, one or two from the line, uh, from three. And so, I mean, great game from him. And then Cooper, well, go ahead. We'll talk about Hallman first. I think, I think the biggest thing with Trey is that you you just saw that confidence mm-hmm. offensively that we've been talking about. Like, can can he play with a level of confidence in his own offensive game? And you see that. Is a guy looking for his own shot, or is he taking shots because the ball just kind of finds him and he has no choice? And there was a lot of that last year with Trey. He seemed yeah. hesitant. No hesitancy that I that I could discern tonight. And that's a really, really good sign. Because I, I, I think, and we talked about this last year, I thought his shot looked reasonably good. Yeah, I thought and it looked good, good tonight. Yeah. The, th- the three he hit, this, it was a good shot in rhythm, and he buried it. Period. Yeah. So I I think very encouraging from him. And, and look, Michigan State is a legit five deep in the backcourt. Mm-hmm. And and I know everybody wants Tyson Walker and Jaden Akins, AJ Hogard to all play 40 minutes a game, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> and it shouldn't happen because if you try that, you're not getting the best out of them. It would mean Michigan State isn't playing the way they want to play. And the fact is they've got two guys in Jeremy Fears and Trey Holloman, both who are fully capable of being plus players in their role and and doing a lot of productive things to help you win games. I mean, those two guys tonight, what was the total? The 12 assists versus five turnovers yeah. from those two guys. Um, five for eight from the floor, one for two from three combined. That's, I mean, those are your backups. I mean, that's pretty good stuff. Yeah. So I thought, yeah, I, th- I thought it was clearly not a surprise to me, but still good to see validation that Trey is ready to be a, a, I thought he was, I thought he showed potential and was respectable last year as a freshman for sure. He, I think he's going to be at another level as a sophomore. Yeah, and then I guess well Carson Cooper's the other uh, standout oh. who had I mean oh. um player of the game in my mind. I, I think so too. I think he was um well he was he was impressive in both ends of the floor, except when he's on the free throw line. He was he was poor there, but yeah. that was a whole team. Six or seven for the field, twenty minutes played. Uh he had what, seven rebounds, five of them offensive re- or sorry, five defensive rebounds, a couple uh couple assists, a steal. I mean <laughs> ended up with 13 points. I, I, he was a guy who has definitely progressed from last season, super mobile as we saw last year. And, and he, I think you had talked about whether he passes Madi, maybe, 
Uh, I think, you know, Mahdi in his own way did really well too. And you've got two guys who are a little different the way they play, but you know, there's probably more upside certainly with Cooper than, than Mahdi, but boy, I mean, there's really no change at the five. It's like your backup is as good as your starter. It's really, it's a nice luxury to have. I look, I, and, and I'm quite sure if we have a couple more games like this where Mahdi's good, but Carson Cooper is really good. There'll there'll be cries from the usual suspects about why isn't he starting? Doesn't matter. Yeah, right. Look Doesn't the matter. These guys, right? These guys are going to share that position, and they're hopefully going to be running the floor so hard and working so hard that they need a blow, and it'll all work out. But I, I'm with you. I, I think Mahdi played well. Yeah. But but Carson Cooper. I've been pretty consistent in this since late last year. Of those three guys, including Jackson Kohler, who's who are at that spot, I don't think there's any doubt that the highest ceiling belongs to Carson Cooper, and that's because he is 6'11", so he's the biggest. He's got a wingspan that's in the same ballpark as Mahdi's. I'm not sure if it's exactly the same or if he's maybe given up an inch or two to Mahdi, but it's very close. But then again, he's also six eleven. <laughs> and Mahdi's like probably about six, six eight. Yeah, six nine, yeah. Um Carson Cooper is a very high level athlete. And so you put all of those and he also demonstrated last year that he's one of those kids that has a knack for picking up the defensive end of the floor conceptually what Michigan State wants from its fives he picked it up very very quickly and so you put all that together it's pretty easy to say that I don't think I'm going out on a limb by saying yeah he's got the highest ceiling because he has the best physical tools and yet he showed enough even as a freshman to suggest all right this isn't a four year it isn't a project the way Mahdi ended up being we you know it really took it to his third year in the program for him to to show enough to the point that you felt comfortable playing him or that he was even capable of playing that many minutes because he wouldn't have been able to stay out of foul trouble before that, you know, Carson already passed those tests as a true freshman, you know? So I don't think that's going out on a limb to say he had the highest ceiling. What I saw tonight is, is another point of validation of the, the, uh, the idea that, he is making good on that potential very, very quickly. I think everything looks better. He is clearly stronger in the upper body. There's no question about that. And that's going to pay off in some of the stuff you saw him do tonight, particularly as a rebounder. Mm -hmm. That That will matter there. It'll also matter in terms of his ability to finish plays. Now, he was from the floor. What was he? Six six for seven. seven. Yeah. Yeah. That's and some of that stuff was in traffic. Okay, oh, yeah. Pretty good. I I think he looks, you know, we know he's a very, very, very good athlete, but he looks calm. He looks under control now in a way that he didn't last year. And that's natural that you would, as you gain experience, you begin to calm down and the game slows down for you a little bit. I think there were signs. And what we saw tonight that indicate that's happening for Carson. Um, 
I I thought one play he made that was extremely impressive to me in that regard is one where he had the ball down low, kind of around the rim in traffic, and he was patient and found Cohen Carr cutting down the lane for a dunk. That's the kind of play he wouldn't have made last year. Right. And I think that's because the wheels were spinning too fast for him last year. They're not anymore. And so you add all that up and put it together with the fact that he's also clearly playing with more confidence. He just looks assertive. He looks like he understands what he's supposed to do. And, and man, (laughs) you are talking about, I'm not saying I'm preparing for him to be a first team, all big 10 player this year, but Michigan state with him where he's at, and Madi, where he's at, who I I agree with you, I thought Madi did some very good things tonight. There weren't a, there weren't as many eye catching moments from him as there were from from Carson, but he also didn't make mistakes. No, you know I can't think of any blown. There was the one blown defensive assignment, yeah. which fortunately they didn't pay for. That was it. Um, other than that, I thought Madi played very well at both ends. He was perfect at the free throw line. Again, which is great for him. That's an area, as you said, Carson's got to got to work on. But a lot of guys on the team had a bum <laughs> night from the line <laughs> for sure. Um, but yeah, you know, you got to feel really good about where Michigan State's five spot is at, at, for the moment. Now, again, they're going to get a much much different level of test come Sunday. But uh, the things that Carson showed tonight, I. I don't think are they're not a result of well he was playing against Hillsdale. They're they're a combination of his physical tools, which aren't going to go away, along with a guy who clearly looks like he's developed his body and has a year of experience under his belt and is soaking things up. He's he's also striking me as a very fast learner, too, which is another thing that you can't really predict too well mm-hmm. when when you have guys come into a program you know some guys Xavier Tillman's a really good example of it just pick things up at this level fast and they progress very quickly I think Carson Cooper is closer to that end of it there are other guys Michigan State's had I, I won't name names but there are guys who had great physical tools that never got it never really developed you know mm-hmm. so it's hard to predict that but I think in Carson Cooper's case we've got a guy who gets it and is getting more and more of it every day. All right. So let's return back to offensive rebounding. Uh, that was the problem. Michigan state out rebounded Hillsdale 46, 42, which is pretty disappointing. Yeah. They gave up 17 offensive rebounds to Hillsdale. So Hills had a 33% offensive rebound rate. Michigan state only ended up with nine offensive rebounds. Now they didn't have as many misses, but that was also the same as a 33% offensive rebound rate, which you'd right. say is okay. It's pretty good. But I think the disappointing part is, you know, the giving up so many rebounds. And that would be the maybe one little mini criticism I'd have of Booker. There were a number of times when he just got out-rebounded. And I think he just yep. wasn't prepared for people, I don't know, not fighting for the ball. But he just wasn't, he wasn't maybe as aggressive or able to hang on to the balls as he should. There were some long rebounds, too, because Hillsdale was jacking up crazy threes. And so, you know, maybe you could give, a, give, some, give them some of those as well. But they only had seven at halftime. They got ten in the second half. They definitely... Uh, picked it up a little bit and maybe Michigan State let up, but so that was a, that was a little concerning because you definitely would hope that this team would be a lot better than that. 
It was. And, you know, the only reason I'm not going to go in harder on this is I've seen very good Michigan State rebounding teams struggle in the early part of the season with undersized opponents. This is not my first rodeo. <laughs> so I, that's the only caveat I have to it. But in general, I agree with you. I, You know, they weren't horrendous, but they weren't as good as they need to be, you know, and, and Booker definitely, that is one area of criticism. I didn't think he was as good as he needs to be. That's an area where his motor, his toughness need to need to ramp up. It needs to improve in order to make him better and Michigan state better. Uh, but it falls on a lot of guys. Oh yeah. I think Hall you, know, you mentioned, you mentioned those long, yeah. you mentioned those long rebounds. Well, that's, you know, those are your wings. Mm-hmm. That's that's on those guys. You know, you can't be too – I know they want to play fast, but you can't be leaking out too quickly so you're giving up long rebounds on a consistent basis. And that was a lot of it. So there was a there was enough blame to go around. Um, but it's, it's kind of a good thing because one thing I'm reasonably certain of with regard to Sunday's game is that Tennessee is going to come in with a lot of toughness and they are going to test Michigan State from a physical perspective. Mm-hmm. And so the next few days, I imagine, are going to be something of a boot camp coming off this one in terms of Michigan State and and their rebounding. Um, it's got to be better. This, you know, some of the things we talked about that we anticipated changing, mostly pace, big, big positive in this one rebounding is another one and that was not good tonight yeah. and and it was at both ends mm-hmm. you know last year at least michigan state was a a pretty decent defensive rebounding team they weren't really great at either end tonight and that was disappointing yep and so the final key to the game was sharpness and so our hope was that michigan state looked like a veteran team and you know we'd really been talking about aj much he had a bad shooting night. I mean, he was yeah. three points. He yeah. was one for five, what, one for four, one for five from the free throw line. Uh, he was he was not good. But I I felt like the rest of his game was good. I mean, I feel like he had command and defensively he was good. And so I'm not too concerned. I didn't I didn't get the impression that he was not focused. He just you know didn't shoot well. And then that was certainly not. There were a lot of people who had trouble at the free throw line. So that was not unique to him, to him. Yeah, except he's an eighty percent shooter coming back. Well, right, so, yes, yeah, but it's it's an exhibition game. It's one game. You, you don't lose your mind over it. I think the encouraging thing about AJ is I think in in years past, when he was having that kind of night offensively, you might have expected that you would see him do some things right to try to get himself going that just made the problem worse, you know. And you didn't really see that tonight. I thought the shots he took were all good shots. Mm-hmm. They were all in rhythm. They just didn't fall. Yeah. Um, not worried about it. And I actually like, you know, eight assists, two turnovers. Yeah. I'll take that. For sure. And I thought he was good defensively. So there were things that he did that I, I thought were real positive. So I was actually pretty happy with the way he played, maybe perversely, because he didn't have a great game offensively. So, you know, with his own offense, at least. So to see him stay on task with the other things, that's a big plus. Um, I thought Michigan State played a very sharp game. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about that's something you, you would like to see early. You don't always get it. 11 turnovers. Given the pace of the game they played with, that's a pretty good number. You mentioned 82% assist rate. <laughs> Two guys with eight assists each. Your starting point guard and your primary backup. Pretty good. Um, and then you got assists from other guys, too. We mentioned Carson Cooper had a couple. Um, you know, they got them from a lot of different players. So I think that's all a sign of a team that is dialed in. We talked early about the defensive execution. Looked very sharp to me. They just, they look, you know, we're used to Michigan State teams, Tom Izzo teams, oftentimes, as probably every listener of this podcast knows, can take several weeks to really round into shape. You don't typically expect to see them playing high, high level basketball early. Um, there are a handful of exceptions to that. And, and typically when you see it, it's when he's had very experienced teams. So I think back to the, uh, 2000, 2001 team mm-hmm. the year after the national title, that team, playing a typical, more or less typical MSU schedule, I believe went undefeated in the non-conference, looked outstanding in November and December. I think back to the Denzel Valentine senior year team, looked very, very good. There have been a handful of others, but those are the two that really stand out. More often than not, we're talking about a team that needs to round into shape. You know, right now, and again, this is pending what we see over the next few weeks. But from what I saw tonight, they're where I would want them to be. They look like they are a cohesive team that understands how to play with each other. And, and that's saying that, you know, that's even looking at substitution patterns that are not what they're going to be. Yeah. Weird ones. Come, you know, they're not going to do a hockey line change (laughs) the way they did tonight at, at the, 15 and change mark yeah you know they're not going to do that um but they even having said that you know when all those freshmen you know they had that second unit of three freshmen two sophomores out there that team looked coherent Mm -hmm. they didn't you know they they didn't look like they were rattled at all you know at both ends so i think that's all really really encouraging stuff and the mistakes that were made were pretty minimal you know you can you can talk about the rebounding but I, I i don't think that's really a sharpness issue free throws would be the only thing i would look at and say yeah you got tighten that up but again if you're going to lose your mind over an 11 for 20 performance at the line in that in the first exhibition game you got to find another hobby you know sure. i'm not that worried about it but the the greater the, the, the larger scale view, the larger scope view should definitely lead you to you to conclude, wow, that's that's a team that looks like they've really got their shit together right now. And so then if that's true and we see that borne out as they move through November and December, then the challenge is going to be, which sometimes teams are not able to successfully uh, accomplish, how do you maintain or build upon that? You know, in a way, it can be a little easier if you're starting from a rough spot. Say, okay, we got to get a lot better. But when you're already playing really well, how do you maintain that for five months? You know, there 
I don't happen to think this is the reason, but you could just on the surface, you could lob that accusation maybe at a team like Purdue last year, right? Yeah. Where they looked so good in November and December that realistically you could say, well, there's no way you can maintain that for five months. And sure enough, they didn't, you know, seven and five in their last 12 games. They were not the same team that they had been. But that's not all on them. It's also that opponents get better. Other teams improve too. But that's going to be, you know, if, if Michigan State is playing at a very high level early, that's going to be a different kind of challenge for them. But we'll see if they're up to it. Can you find ways to maintain it? Avoid slippage. You know, the Valentine team, as the most recent example of this, I think had some slippage once they got into Big Ten play, primarily due to the fact that, if you remember correctly, you know, Denzel got hurt. Yep. And that sort of derailed them for maybe two or three weeks. Mm -hmm. They really weren't quite what they had been. Even when he came back, they weren't quite the same team. It took them a while, and they eventually – found their rhythm again and uh, of course lost in the tournament but i mean prior to that they had found their rhythm again and were playing at a very high level so it's a challenge you know it the the college basketball season is definitely a marathon so you can't get too high or too low based on what you're seeing in november but for a first game hey they checked all the boxes the only i think to add with as far as sharpness goes is and we didn't, I don't think we really talked about him as Tyson Walker looked, you know, I I'd yeah. asked you in the pre yeah. in the preseason, like, well, you know, he's kind of hit a ceiling. Is there more that we can see from Tyson? I think we saw more today. <laughs> I mean, someone who yeah. is super comfortable, yeah. super smooth. I mean, and I think just because of his comfort level or just, you know, experience or some combination, just more tenacious on defense. I think just, he's been in the system now for what, four years. And so, or yeah. yeah, so it three three years. Third yeah, year. it really shows, and and yep. his like you I said, agree. he's going to be a, he's going to be a, a more of a pest than he was even at the end of last year. You know, one thing that's worth mentioning when you bring him up that I did see tonight from Michigan State's starting backcourt, all three guys working together, mm-hmm. they are finding, and they did it multiple times, angles on what would typically be called skip passes where they're not going around the horn or through a, an intermediate passer to get the ball to a corner, let's say, which is where most of those plays went. They are finding angles they, they were tonight, at least they were finding angles that I don't recall seeing. And Tyson was part of that. All three of those guys both made those plays, made those passes, um, usually off some penetration or an angle they got on somebody. And I believe all three of them were also recipients Mm -hmm. of those plays for open looks. And in Tyson and Jaden's case, they were able to bury some of those shots. AJ was not. Um, It was, and pay attention to the Tennessee game. I know I will. And see if you can if you see Michigan state doing that again, it's very, very effective. I do wonder if it shows up too often as a tendency that it was something that struck me as maybe being able to be scouted um, that, you know, when a guy, you know, Tyson Walker turns the corner in a certain spot on the floor, 
you'll be pretty sure the ball is going to be going a skip pass to Jaden Akins, and you can use that to maybe create turnovers. But um, it was very effective tonight. And so that's, again, something going back to sharpness. These guys have played so much basketball together that it does produce some advantages, you know, in knowing where they're going to be, kind of reading each other without without having to say anything you know you just know okay if i've got this kind of advantage here i know Jaden's going to be in the corner and he's going to be open and they they read each other at a very very high level at least that's the way it looked tonight yep no i agree well i think we'll wrap it up there uh again i just want to remind you uh, to check out nudgeprinting.com for discount final four coupon code to get 20 percent off your order the brothers suggest you gutters at brothersgutters.com. You get 10% off. You mentioned Final Four to get your estimate. And for those of you wondering, uh, the scoreboard is really cool. Uh, the ice cream sandwich was fantastic. And the heckler did not move. We could see him the four or five sections over from where we were sitting, our new seats. Uh, <laughs> wow. And so I didn't hear a peep from him. Uh, and we're actually two rows closer, so which surprisingly makes a big difference in your viewing angle, even from the top, uh, how much closer things seem, even just down two rows. So uh, we really enjoyed ourselves, and even though it was a kind of a cruddy weather uh, in the rain, but dry in the Breslin Center. So uh, we'll get back to you in, for the pregame for Tennessee in just a little bit. So until next time, the Final Four is on the schedule. Go Green. Go Green.